Jim Clouk on the Phenomenal Business Growth Podcast. It is so great to have you here, everybody. Tim Sweat is joining me here from Prism Specialties. Hello, Tim. How are you? Hey, Jim. I'm phenomenal, of course. Doing great. Of course you are. <laughs> hey, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. I wanted to get with you as you are an Inner Circle member with Howard's group at Phenomenal Business Coaching. Wanted to talk about you and your business. But before we get into that, mm -hmm. how long have you been part of the Inner Circle? So we've been with it since about 2020. So okay. four years. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Or phenomenal, as they say. How did you <laughs> first meet Howard? So it was interesting. As a new business owner, I started my business in 2017 and uh, was going through that kind of lonely phase of like, did I make a mistake? What's going on? Mm -hmm. A lot of a lot of questions and challenges. And uh, I remembered uh, listening to Zig Ziglar a lot when I was a kid. My parents always listened to Zig in the car. And so got online and looked for Zig. And uh, it's like, hey, he has a small business coach named Howard Partridge. And so that was kind of the beginning. Zig Ziglar. So here's my Zig story. <laughs> Years ago, before there was digital audio, there was something called a cassette deck. Mm -hmm. and I used to drive around while working for someone else, listening to this guy named Zig Ziglar. And Zig told me that I should quit my job. Now, that's what I heard. And the people tell me the tape didn't say that. But I'm pretty sure I heard him say, you know, other people can do this, Jim, and you should do it. That's what I heard. So anyway, so, so um, you know, I, I'd listened to his stories and I read all kinds of books. And I started thinking, it seems like there are people who are less smart than me who have quit their job to start a business. So anyway, so so I was I was really formed early on by Zig. And then my friend Howard Partridge said, Hey Jim, how would you like to come to one of my conferences? Zig Ziglar's gonna be there. I said, when and where? So I was um, able through Howard to actually meet Zig Ziglar. So that was exciting. Oh, what an honor. Yeah, yeah. And that goes back a number of years. So let's stop talking about me now. Okay, Tim, so stop throwing it back on me. So you you met Howard with a search for Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. Howard, Howard is uh, integral in that company and they do a lot of work together. And so right. you've been on board in the inner circle with Howard and his team for four years since 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I attended the uh, business owner boot camp and just thought it was amazing and then uh, signed up as an inner circle member. And you haven't looked back since. I haven't. It's been a great, great <laughs> relationship. I really appreciate everything that Howard and the whole team does. Let's talk about you and your business. So 2017 is when you started? Yes. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the business? And also explain to everybody, describe what you do and why it's unique and how you got into it. Of course. So I had a break in employment and, uh, you know, the traditional thing is to go talk to a headhunter and get back in the game. And uh, my heart was not in going back to corporate America. And uh, I always had kind of a dream of maybe I could do my own business. And, uh, you know, when you get a good paycheck and a Fortune 100 company, it's kind of hard to do that, to jump out and do that. And so it was a perfect time for me. It's like, you know, it's now or never. And so I started looking at uh, franchises 
uh, I had talked to a franchise consultant and so we started evaluating franchises and came across this one. And what we do is it's, it's prism specialties and used to be called art recovery technology. And what I do is we restore artwork and it's mainly insurance work. Uh, although we have a lot of people that Google us and they bring in a painting that, you know, grandma had painted and it needs help. Now we do that. Um, but most of our, our revenue comes from insurance claims. And so there are house fires, floods, that sort of thing. And artwork gets damaged. And it could be painting, sculptures. It could be photographs, even taxidermy. So it's a pretty broad range of, of what constitutes art. Interesting. So what are your qualifications? So my own are, are pretty thin for the old art thing. So what I brought to the table was the ability to manage a business and a lot of experience in the corporate world, a lot of customer service uh, background. And so I have the ability to provide a great service experience. That's what I bring. And so I hire people who have art degrees and have tremendous artistic talent. And then we teach them our techniques and uh, like I could probably teach the techniques myself, but I can't implement them. <laughs> I don't have that talent, but they do. And so they they do amazing work, uh, just create magic. That is a great answer. So many people start a business, get involved in a business because they're a good technician, but not necessarily a great business owner. Mm -hmm. And that's what... Michael Gerber talks about an e-myth, and you and I have spoken about that together, the e-myth, great book, and it's important as a business owner to make sure that you are running it properly, and you can be in love with your business, but you can't be wearing all the hats, right? right? And so the best thing to do is be a good marketer, salesperson, manager, and then hire the talent specific to that type of work. Mm -hmm. And it looks like you've done it. And I congratulate you on that because so many people were a plumber or an electrician or an HVAC specialist working for someone else and said, I'm a great technician. I'm also a great business owner, they think. Mm -hmm. And then they leave to find out they're really good at the technical part. They have no patience for anyone else. Get out of my way. Let me fix it. But I've also got to sell market and run the organization. So I applaud you. And then they become a slave to their business. Slave to their business. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you're putting the right people in place. Give me a background on the business model itself. Okay. So we what we what we do, we get a claim that comes in, for instance, we get a call typically from a restoration contractor who's out at a house fire, out at a flood, and they're doing the structure, they're taking care of all that. But they see that there's artwork and they've talked to the homeowner and the, and they've asked, yeah, what can I do about this painting? I'm really concerned about what's what's going to happen here. And so if we've done our job properly, we've we've acquainted ourselves with these restoration contractors, with the adjusters. They know who we are. And so they say, I know just the guy to call. And so they refer the business over to me. So then we go out and we do a walkthrough with the homeowner to get their understanding of what it is they're most concerned about, provide our expertise, give them some, some comfort that we can take care of it. Um, and then we pack up all the items. Uh, we do a photo inventory. We pack up all the items, bring them back to our shop, our studio. And then our artists will put together a detailed uh, estimate. Mm -hmm. We get that approved by the insured, 
by the insurance adjuster, and then we do the work. And afterward, we we package everything, we store it in our uh, secure climate controlled facility as long as it needs. And it could be over a year for a house fire that we're hanging on to this artwork. And when they're finally ready, we get the call. That's a great day. We we deliver. We put everything right back on the wall where it should be. And typically, what they're getting back is something better than before the loss because it's it's clean. It's you know it's beautiful. Often it's uh, much better than it was even before the loss. So it's a happy day getting that artwork back. This is white glove service. It's, I mean, everything is top notch. And, you know, I was listening to what you were saying about in many instances, it comes back to the home in Mm -hmm. better condition than prior to the disaster, right? Right the fire, the water, and so forth. It reminds me of how they restore old film. You'll look at a film from the 1930s, and you'd be like, I thought they shot that in black and white, and how come it's so clean? Because they actually made it better than the original. (laughs) Right. 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 So it's not really like that where you're changing it. You're just making it as clean and perfect as you can, and there were probably some imperfections prior to the damage yeah and and you know a lot of people don't take great care of their artwork you know so dust builds up over time you know gets discolored um maybe it was framed initially with some acidic components you know cardboard that's now causing yellowing is bad for it so we're replacing that with acid-free archival materials so when it comes back you know it's it's going to have greater longevity than it would have had otherwise so there's a positive there Tim, I would assume that you're doing a lot of work with insurance companies. This is a lot of this is paid for by insurance, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's key to the business model, uh, because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, how would Tim get business? Well, it's it's pretty obvious Mm -hmm. you have to network with people in the restoration business because they're called out after the Mm -hmm. damage, often fire and water damage. Right. And and also insurance agencies and so forth um which is kind of a really neat business because this is a true niche business isn't it absolutely it is so you know when i first got into this in fact i would hear was you know i was going out and talking to restoration contractors and one of the things i heard was oh you know this will never work because we never see artwork i had people tell me i've been doing this for 20 years i don't see artwork and uh, at first, that kind of took, took me aback, right? Uh, what did I do? But um, what I found out was just they don't understand what they're looking at. Nobody has blank walls, at least people I know, right? You walk in a house, there's stuff on the walls. It could be photos. It could be you know artwork that was created by a relative. It may not have high financial value, but it means a lot to them. And there's a, there's a, a great emotional connection there. And if those things aren't restored... You can do a great job replacing floors and walls and all that. But if you walk back into that house and the walls are blank, that loss is continuing. And so what we are doing is closing the the loop there and uh, restoring our customer sense of home, really, is the way we we say it. So that's our mission. Yeah, there are so many things that may not have cost much money, but Mm -hmm. they can't be replaced. Right. Maybe it's your daughter's artwork from the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Maybe she painted something. Right. What is that worth? Mm-hmm. Can't put a price on it. Exactly. 
which must be interesting for the insurance company, by the way. Yeah, but to their credit, I'll say most insurance companies don't haggle over that. I mean, they understand to the emotional connection and you know, we try to keep our prices reasonable. And, you know, I think what we do is is we provide a great value for, for the what we get paid. Speaking of insurance companies, I've found over the years that they can be quite fair when it comes to a claim. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think, well, the insurance company, you know, their job is to take your money, not give it back out. But th- that's not always the case. They They really want to make you whole even mm-hmm. though there are these large entities. What's your overall experience with that? Yes, they do really yeah, do a I good think job. So. I, think, I think most of the companies, most of the adjusters are good people. They want to do the right thing. They've been paid a premium for it, for this very service, right, of, of handling these claims. I think they also want the insured to continue with them, right, continue paying those premiums. They don't want to lose a customer either. And so... In general, I think they want to take care of the customer, the insured, uh, do a good job of settling the claim. They want that customer talking to others about how great their insurance company is. So if they're smart, they're doing that anyway. And so I think most of them are. There's a there's a few bad apples in the industry that get a, give everybody a bad rap, but uh, I think most people are pretty good. If a restoration company in the Tampa area were watching this right now, what would hmm. you like to tell them about the services you offer? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of the 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 products that that we work on, it could be paintings, sculptures, um, works on paper. So maybe it's a signed a lithograph or a print, um, anything that's framed, for instance. Um, photographs. A lot of people don't think about photographs as art, but everybody has family photos, and a lot of times they were they predated the digitals, right? And so they don't they can't get another copy, and so that's important. Um, even taxidermy, right? And and people say is that art well tell you what if you if you meet somebody who's into taxidermy who's gone on these big game hunts sometimes to africa they've spent a tremendous amount of money on this yeah absolutely it means a lot to them and there are specific memories tied to those pieces and so um think of art more broadly right that uh if if somebody puts something up on their wall or up on a shelf it's probably because there's an emotional connection it means something to them it's not just decorative often and so think of that um, and so I just asked the, the restoration contractors to really consider, you know, what's the overall experience you're trying to create for your customer. And I know you're going to do a great job with that physical structure. It's going to look amazing. But again, if there are blank walls in the end, they're going to have a bad feeling and they're going to feel like there's, there's still a loss. And it had nothing to do with you. You did a great job. Bring me in, right? We can come in and, and kind of put that cherry on top of the cake, I guess, if you will. And, and, uh, eliminate that sense of loss and you put a smile on their face that it's it's finished yeah everything's back and tim that's important as i talk to you today here on this podcast it appears to me that even though there may be others in the greater tampa area doing what you do you stand out don't you we do. And to be fair, there aren't that many around who do what we do. It's a pretty tight niche. Um, but yeah, we've, we've developed a reputation over the last seven years for we do the right thing. You know, all of our reviews are five-star reviews because, I mean, what we do is so important to people. It really touches that that emotional uh, need that they have. And it's really gratifying. 
Yeah. Did you ever think you'd be in this business going back a decade? Not at all. Not at all. But my whole career was in customer service and I always loved helping people. And so it's been a perfect landing spot for me at this point in my career. And that's just it, right? Um, without systems, procedures, customer service, the ability to work with partners out there, whether it's an insurance company or if it's people in the restoration business, um, you have to have all those business pieces, but customer service is key. Absolutely. Because you can get referrals from that for sure. And I'm sure this has happened as well, where you've done a job because a restoration company came to you saying, we have a client, mm -hmm. we need your help. Mm -hmm. And then maybe weeks, months, or even a couple of years later, that homeowner may have contacted you for something totally unrelated because of the great job you did. Yes. It does. It turns into, we call it a retail job. You know, someone's bringing an individual piece, they're paying out of pocket, not insurance related at all. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. We get those repeat customers that way. And that's so great because I'll tell you, I have dealt with companies before that don't have that professionalism in their model. So for instance, I've moved before the moving company damaged something. And mm -hmm. then there was a local provider in the new city to fix the leg on the table. Mm -hmm. They do a great job, but they didn't have customer service. They were just a technician. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. I didn't even know who to go back to if I wanted to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. And that makes a big difference, doesn't it? it? It sure does. Yeah. I've had that exact same experience. It, it just drives me crazy. I, I'm so focused on the service aspect that that's what I'm looking at often. And and you're right. There are plenty of people out there who are good technicians, but you're often missing the service aspect. Yeah. And it almost seems like a waste, Tim. There there are so many great technicians, but they don't know how to bring it to market and stay in market. Um, mm -hmm. And and there's this there's this balance. Before we finish today here on the podcast, let's circle back to the inner circle. When sure. you started with Howard's group, what did you feel you were missing? Why did you feel you had to join a mm -hmm. coaching group? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I was missing the community was the biggest thing. So, I mean, there are a lot of great resources with the inner circle. The website is just chock full of anything you need. It's there. Um, but really, honestly, I'm I'm not spending a lot of time on the website. It's more in the community. It's more going into the, you know, the coaching pods or we call them the power of discovery sessions. Um, it's it's attending weekly webinars and just you know a lot of times it's, the information isn't new. Um, you know, Howard calls himself the chief reminding officer. Uh, he's not bringing a lot of new stuff. He's he's continuing to remind us of what we need to do, and having a group, a community of other business owners who are going through the similar things, really, really helpful, right? You, you, you learn that you're not on an island. And then one of the things I think is most beneficial is he has a quarterly conference and you get a chance to go with, you know, 200 other business owners, rub shoulders and, you know, see some great speakers, hear some great speakers. And that's amazing. But often it's the time during the breaks versus the time in dinner after the sessions are over, sitting down with other business owners and, and discussing ideas and common struggles. And it's just powerful. I mean, the, the, the community is everything.
It is. I've been with Howard and the inner circle now. Gosh, I had a relationship with them, well, 15, 16 years. And I've seen so many great companies and individuals hmm. come into the inner circle. And hmm. it is really a community first. And mm -hmm. for those of you who've never been to an event, it's interesting. It, it's kind of like going to church, which is good. Um, and yep. And, and, yep. you know, Howard is, Howard's the leader of the pack yep. and he brings just great speakers and energy and he encourages family. You'll, you know, you'll see his grandchildren running around. He encourages you to bring your children if you'd like to. And so there's different, you know, generations, multi-generational in the room. And I just encourage people to, to come to an event and check it out. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today here on the Phenomenal Business Growth Podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. It's been a pleasure.